Reinholds is a social media and creative marketing agency owner, husband, father, DJ, global citizen, keynote speaker, and is proud to bring you the Reinholds Show Podcast. Uh, hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Rhino Show podcast. Oh my goodness, we have exciting news in the uh, podcast world. Um, we're very, very excited. We're, we're getting featured by CBC, uh, myself, uh, in terms of, you know, kind of my journey personally, professionally, into the podcast world, into the marketing world. Um, so we're going to be filming that on Tuesday in Edmonton. So, you know, just kind of a little FYI, keep your ears and eyes open for it. Um, but that being said, our biggest piece of announcement today is, um, you know, we do get a lot of reach outs for sponsorships uh, and partnerships and things like that on a continual basis. Um, and, you know, some of them for me, I mean, a lot of them just are not a good fit. Uh, you guys know that Jordana comes on the show and she's been a, a constant and we're looking, you know, for very, very specific people, very, very ground level. And as you know, from feedback, you know, we just want to give you the most amount of value and we also want to make sure that our guests uh, feel like they're coming home. So my next guest is sitting in Vancouver, um, getting ready for a Super Bowl party. I'm sure there's some crown in the background may or may not be there. Um, but my next guest's name is Ar- Amar Gill. And Amar is going to be coming on periodically on the show throughout the year um, and talking about a variety of things. Amar has his own show called Do Bad Things to Do Good podcast where he basically goes around and, and tells life stories uh, he's also a chartered accountant specialized in, in business, and he has been a business advisor with over 15 years, both on the national and international level. He provides consulting and advisory services for small to medium-sized businesses and finance operations and capital investment. So Amar's going to come on the show and talk about, you know, we want to chop it up about kind of, you know, him going around and kind of getting all these stories, which I think is absolutely fascinating. Um, but then he's also got the accounting background and because of the sheer volume of business owners that listen to this podcast, I think that he can give a lot of uh, value tips and tricks. And, you know, I always like to say, you know, if you can get free advice that you would have to go pay, you know, hundreds of dollars to get, you know, on an hourly basis, you know, I'm here to take advantage of Amar so that he can give as much value to you so that everybody kind of wins. So Amar, without further ado, man, thanks for supporting the show and welcome to the show, man. Oh, thanks for having me. So what do you, what do you, you tell, tell the listeners a little bit about the story. How did you start listening to the, to this podcast? And, you know, you can kind of, I think it'd be nice to shed some light on how we know each other, but really don't know each other. But then it seems that the circles in the, in the osmosis universes uh, tend to uh, collide. So can you share some perspective on that? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And uh, basically um, a few years back, kind of, I came across your social media uh, you know, Instagram and Facebook. And I was always fascinated with the hustle that you had. And I would always tell my friends, and I was, I worked for one of the big international accounting firms, uh, you know, in a few years back. And I was always telling my friends, I go, the hardest thing for accountants to do is to master marketing. You know, mm. we're good at the numbers, mm. we're good at the details, and we're really good at sort of trying to provide that advisory service to our clients. But most of our clients, when you come into an accounting firm, they're already there because the partner above you has already brought those clients in. And the partners know the clients at their age level, and they know the people that they're, they're that are in their network, but it's hard for a younger accountant coming up to sort of bring up his own network. And, you know, we're both Millwood's voice, born and raised, <laughs> right? And uh, we, we have the same circle of friends, but we never kind of 
our paths never crossed. And then I started kind of following sort of what you were doing. And this was kind of, you know, a few years back, but I was always just, I, I was like respect from afar, the admiration I had. I'm like, this guy just has no fear and just goes for it. And I would always show the younger accounts in my firm. I'm like, look at this guy. He's, he's out there. He's meeting people and he's doing things. And I thought, you know what? Wouldn't it be a great idea to bring you in to talk to sort of the new articling students we have and to give them a heads up like, hey, here's how you expand your network. Here's how you market. And I reached out to you and we, you know, met up for a meeting. And, you know, unfortunately at the time, the accounting firm never really went for the idea of kind of bringing you in for a talk, which was their loss. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? no, it's uh, all good. But uh, I was always a big fan of you, and I always kind of just said, you know, I, I'm okay at marketing. I've I've always had a good network. I've got 30 years of living in Edmonton, so I've kind of grown up with a group of people that are involved in business, and they continue to be my friends to this day. But I always thought you were a great example of how you get out there and you put yourself out there and you're not afraid to do it. And you know, that's kind of how we cross it. It's interesting because you talk about, you know, I always say, you know, in business, a big part of business is timing, you know, and um, depending on who runs a firm or a business, you know, it just depends on kind of where they're at. For me personally, it's funny, and I talk about it openly on the podcast. I, I don't really love the concept of marketing, if that makes sense. I love the concept you know, I think especially with my field, marketers, everybody's a marketer now. Everybody's, you know, whether, you know, multi-level marketing, there's a lot of skewedness that tends to happen in the marketing world. But for me, marketing has always been simple and always will be. It's, you know, how do you present your product or service in a in a non-annoying way to a potential customer um, based on the time that works for them? And, and anybody who can kind of solve that problem. And I do like to say the bigger the problems you solve in business, the more money you're going to make. And a lot of people come into business and they're so money focused. And I'm like, don't do that. You know, try to create as much value as possible for free. The money will come rolling in. I can, I can speak to that as a testament, you know. And uh, a lot of people even on my end say, Ryan, I don't really even see you advertise per se your marketing agency. And I really don't. I really haven't over the years. But I think that the best advertisement you can do is through demonstration. So if I can build a podcast, for example, and market that and build it to where, you know, people actually start saying, oh, wow, I actually know this podcast or I'm listening to this podcast or I know somebody knows the podcast. That's marketing. You know, if you can go out and speak at conferences and create a, you know, cultivate a personal brand online, you know, that's marketing. I'm extremely proud of my family. A lot of people do not post a lot personally. Uh, I do. You know, I I'm actually a very private person, which a lot of people kind of laugh at. But um, I'm extremely proud personally and professionally. And I like to show that. Um, to the to the right. public because I feel like that's me. Um, you, on the other hand, you know, you come from a different world where you're an accountant. Every time I think about, about an accountant, I think about very right brain oriented, very like you know, two <laughs> two plus two is four. You know, whereas if you ask me what two plus two is, I'm like, no, no, it could be like three and a half. It could maybe be four and a half. You know, I'm always trying to you know because it's all about the story, right? But you are unique in the fact that. You are an extremely creative person, and you're also an accountant. And I think that, man, that's where the sweet sauce is for you. So I'm happy to have you support the show. I'm happy to have you on the show and partner with you on the show. I think this is uh, fantastic. Um, but that being said, man, we are in 2020. Uh, we can speak to the Alberta market in terms of business. Um, I have yet to meet or talk to any business owner right now that's not feeling a bit of a pinch 
in terms of the economic uh, that's going on. So people who are listening, um, maybe you're a new business, maybe you're an existing business, maybe you're in the midst of a corporate restructure. When it comes to accounting, knowing your numbers, organizing your money, making sure that you are on par with, you know, CRA, which you do not want to get on the bad side of CRA. Um, what could you say just when somebody says, oh, my God, like accounting, what the hell does that mean? I don't care about accounting. I just want to run my business. Like, how could you kind of say, you know, incorporate it and, you know, try to have fun with it. But here's some little tips and tricks you could do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the first thing I will say is accounting is your business. It's a snapshot of your business. Um, you know, entrepreneurs, and you can relate as being one yourself, they're excited about what they do. They love to talk about their business, love to do their business. They don't want to focus on the nitty-gritty numbers, the ins and outs, right? That's why, you know, you hire a bookkeeper or you hire a business advisor and accountant to help you with that. However, I think it's really important for, for an owner to stay on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, at any point in time, if you look at the, the biggest, most sophisticated business in the world, you look at a Staples, you look at a Microsoft, they meet every other day and look at their numbers, right? Board meetings happen on a monthly basis. And at that board meeting, you go through that boring minutia of what's our bottom line, what's trending, you know? So I would encourage any business owner, whether you're just a medical professional or you know you own a mechanic shop or you're in the pipeline business, you're supporting the oil and gas industry, you need to have up-to-date numbers. You can't just, you know, pile your receipts in a shoebox or pile your receipts in your inbox on, on your email and just say, yeah, I'll look at them next month and I'll give them to the bookkeeper uh, when when I get to it, when I have time. Because I'm busy, I got phone calls to make, I've got meetings to book. Number one mistake they make is they just put it to the side and they just focus on the business, whereas they have no idea what the financial performance of their business is. Mm. Um, it's important, whether you do it yourself, you've got an Excel spreadsheet or you've got the old school ledger Although I don't think many do, although you've got a sophisticated sophisticated program, right? You have to have that running tally um, going, you know, where am I? You know, am I close to my operating line? You know, do I have some receivables that are dragging? You know, know, if I've got a policy where I get paid in 30 days or I get paid when the invoice is sent, where's my follow-up? Because if you don't have the cash coming in, if you're not bugging people to pay you, especially in this economy, that can be a problem, Mm. right? You know? So I would say, you know, as much as it's terrible, you know, you don't want to look at the numbers because it gives you maybe a little bit of anxiety or you don't know where you are. Part of that anxiety is not knowing where you're at. Yeah, you know, you've got money coming in, you're busy. But if you don't actually sit down and hardcore look at those numbers, you know, it's just an Excel spreadsheet. Maybe you're just tracking your bank balance or just look at your bank statement. Mm. I would encourage people, especially these days, with the programs you have on your phone, you can just snap a picture of a receipt and QuickBooks will automatically... You know, it's an office expense. Is it a personal expense or is it something that you paid for for the business? Those ins and outs can, you know, in the long run have a cumulative effect of a big impact on your business, both at a personal level and at a corporate level. Mm. So I would say you got to stay on top of it. Um, invest in the software. Nowadays, accounting software, a non-account can use it. You don't need to go hire a bookkeeper at 40, 50 bucks an hour. Believe me, with YouTube, uh, with the tutorials that the accounting software such as Sage and QuickBooks come with, you can learn it yourself. You're already putting hours of your time. You are your business. You're putting hours of your time in your business. There's no reason for you not to invest in the most important part, which is the snapshot or financial health of how you work with you. 
It's interesting because when, you know, this is a deep-rooted issue, though, because I'm, I'm a big proponent on financial literacy. And when we go to junior high, high school, we don't really learn a lot about financial, you oh. know, stuff. What's amazing to me is if I ask the average person, an adult, how does your revolving, like, how does credit work? How does your interest on your credit card work? It's amazing that I would say over 50% of people don't actually understand exactly what that 19.9% interest means. So, you know, I had this conversation the other day and a, and a, and a guy says, you know, Ryan, credit cards are bad. I, I'm so against that statement for so I can attest to you. I've made money on my credit card. I've got trips off my credit cards. I've got, I, I mean, a mo- I, you know, you got revolving credit. You're showing that. Hey, you know how to use credit. Your credit score goes up. Like, there's so many positives to using a credit card if, and this is the coup d'etat, if you're disciplined with how you're using the credit card. So when I, you know, when me and you are talking about having the average person say, hey, I need to know the snapshot on my business. I need to, you know, understand the accounting and the numbers. I can say to you as an entrepreneur and people who are listening to this is numbers is as fecal as they are. And I mean, I'm somebody to that kind of a you know ADD type personality like for me to sit down and look at a computer for like hours just drives me insane but I love the story element of numbers so accounting tells you almost everything about your business maybe there's a product or service that's absolutely crushing it for you and you you're not even aware of this because you don't even see you know how much revenue you're bringing in on you know said service so when it comes to Somebody like you who's a chartered accountant, which, I mean, that takes a lot of work, man, to become that, you know, and that's not for the uh, the faint of heart. Why did you want to go into accounting? And I'll say this to you only because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a visible minority, too, but don't tell me. It's just because you're a brown guy. Um, you know, I hope I hope you're not going to tell me that because your, your mom or dad said be a doctor, a lawyer, accountant or a dentist or something. But why did you choose accounting, Amar? Yeah. Uh, well, my parents, like most immigrant parents, wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer. And yeah. the funny thing is, my two siblings, my two sisters, are actually a doctor and a lawyer. <laughs> so my older, I told you, everybody, I so, told you, so stereotypical. <laughs> yeah, uh, my older sister's uh, an accomplished lawyer. Uh, she's four years older than me. My younger, my baby sister, I'll call her. She's an internal medicine doctor, and both of them are the. You know, in a stereotypically East Indian household where the boy, and I'm the only boy, is supposed to be the star of the family, I'm the ugly duckling. <laughs> and, and, and my parents were, you know, I'm, I'm raised by a single mother, which is also kind of not a typical thing as well. Uh, my father was not in the picture, but my mother, you know, God bless her, just the immigrant mentality of grinding it through. Wait a second, let's go jobs. back to that. I, I wasn't aware of that. So you, so... Your dad wasn't in the picture just because your dad wasn't in the picture with health issues or, or you didn't pass away or anything, right? Uh, no. My, oh, okay. Uh, okay. You know, so, so we're going back now to, you know, 1968, my parents at the age of 18 immigrated to Canada, yeah. uh, came to British Columbia. My mom is a nurse. Uh, my dad was a mechanic and a mill worker. Yeah. Um, the unfortunate part is, you know, 60s, 70s, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, mental health issues being what they are today and the awareness today. Mm. That was not there back then. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Un- unfortunately, you know, everybody talks about all oh, the opioid crisis, the heroin epidemic and all that. It- it's like it's a new thing. You know, my family has suffered from that for the last 40 years. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, my father, he was a heroin addict. Okay. Um, and as you can imagine, you know, 
raising children in a new country, there's a lot of anxiety that immigrants go through. Uh, you come into this country, you come in with that hope and dream, and for some it can be a nightmare. And you know, unfortunately, a young couple, 20, 21 years old, my parents are married, you know, father just couldn't handle the mental strain of that and yeah. turn towards addiction. And you know, nowadays we have a, in British Columbia, we have a, a mental health and addictions ministry that's geared towards helping people with those issues. Back then, they would just throw you in there. Yeah, yeah. Right? Up. Yeah, it's true. Uh, so, it's true. you know, unfortunately, you know, my, my father fell victim to that. And I was, this is 1978, um, I was just a, I was just actually one month old. My sister yeah. was five. And, you know, my mother, my parents had a house fully paid off in, in BC. They, in, the, in, in their town, they had the first color TV. Like, they were living the immigrant dream until... Maybe the pressure cracked. Like, I don't know, right? Like, I'm kind of removed from all that. My of older course. sister has a better recollection, but of course, you know, unfortunately, he was imprisoned. Uh, you know, my my mom and dad they just split apart, so it was just on my mom to raise, um, you know, the two of us while he was in prison. He got mm-hmm. out. They had a third child, um, but then even then, once you've been to prison, then you've kind of got that lifelong suffering. You know, it's hard to stay in the picture. Mm. You know, and that's not me. I'm not slagging on my dad. So the, the, the interesting thing is he had a master's in economics yeah. and was a very, really smart guy. Yeah. Just the mental health issues were over crushing. But one thing he did leave before my parents finally split in uh, 1990 was he taught the three of us not how to like just memorize and learn, but how to how to apply knowledge and how to how to apply the knowledge you're learning. You know, if you're reading your science textbook or your social studies textbook, how, how are you absorbing that knowledge and how does it apply to your life? And I think mm. in school, like you were saying, you don't learn about credit, you don't learn about budgeting. My dad taught us all that, mm. you know? Uh, you know, for all the things he suffered with, he was a great uh, instrument of knowledge. So, you know, I learned from the age of like seven, eight, nine, hey, when banks look at you, they don't know who you are. When you want to apply for a loan or you want to apply for a credit card like your parents do, you've got to show them that you're a good enough candidate for them to do business with. So that's what was ingrained in us from an early age. Yeah. When you go get a loan, you you know, as I said, as we kind of like said, if, if we, we are leaving this house, we have to get a mortgage. Your mom has to pay the bills. She gets X amount of dollars, this much as food, this much as rent, this much as for you kids. You know, you've got to be on top of that. So that, that, that thing of just being on top of money in and money out was ingrained in me from an early age. Mm. You know, Parents, you know, then at the age of 12, parents split. You know, my mom made the right decision to say, you know what, I'm going to do this alone. And, mm. it, I, and I know you know our culture. Mm-hmm. That's not normal. No, right? like, no, I, I forced no. Divorced East Indian mother, single mother of three, Ooh. is unheard of because you stay, yeah. you stay to the bitter end. It doesn't matter. So just kind of that's, that's kind of how we kind of got into the whole, you know, my mom's like, well, all right, I got these three kids. You better do well because everybody's watching you almost, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So as we kind of evolved and kind of went through it, my, my, you know, because of the experience of my father, my older sister chose law. Okay, right? interesting. Because of my mother being a healthcare worker, my younger sister from the age of seven said, I'm going to be in medicine. I want to help people like mom does. Mm. Me, I'm like, oh. You know, I was always in that back of my mind, like money in, money out. I always kind of just centered around that. But the reality is I wanted to be a writer. But of course, 
<laughs> you know, I could be an artist, a broke artist, or I could get paid. So I, I, I sold my soul. Yeah, yeah. At a young age, yeah, yeah. I killed my dream in a suit. Yeah, and that's that's kind of why you know I am where I am now today, right? Because I'm kind of now reliving my childhood dream of sort of creating and being an artist. But yeah, yeah, I I was the one. My mom's like, "Got to be a doctor. Got to do this." And I'm like, you know what? Just no interest. You know, yeah. I, I want to focus on the numbers side. And so it, it's interesting. I've traveled around the world. I've I've met you know executives from all sorts of Fortune 500 companies and had 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 connections everywhere. My mom is still just like, oh, but you could have been a doctor. Look at she is that healthy. Look at your sister. Why could you not be a doctor lawyer? Yeah. What do you do with numbers? Yeah. It, it yeah. Just, the parents don't get it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So it's that's kind of, you know, I'm, I'm the, and that's, you know, I, I went the opposite route. I just kind of said, because the way I, my parents exposed me to that early knowledge of got to stay on top of the, the numbers, I've always kind of gravitated towards that. And if you're of, if, if you're listening right now and you're of Indian descent, uh, Amar just did the true Indian way where he did the light bulb as he started doing the accent. The light bulb came out, right? Big time. No, Amar, I find that fascinating. It's it's interesting because your childhood is so in you know increment so like the way somebody's childhood impacts them, it goes for life. And it's amazing to hear how your sister went into law because of your father. Your other sister went into medicine because of your mother. And you were kind of in the middle and saying, man, I really love how, you know, dad kind of taught us the economics of money and money in, money out. And, it, you know, your mom is, uh, is a trailblazer, especially in the Indian community, especially for making decisions like that so early on, right? All four for 10 of her. Yeah, I, I have this conversation all the time with people because I'm like, there was no mental health awareness back then. Like, you did not, you were just some, I mean, they would literally write you off like, you're an idiot. You're doing stupid stuff for stupid reasons. Get the hell out of here. Like, you're not a part of our society. And, you know, it's like people never ask the question, like, why are they doing that? Why, what is going yeah. on in this person's mind to, to make them, you know, make yeah. these sort of decisions and stuff? I can speak to that. I have a single mom. My mom passed away. My mom is my queen. My mom had some mental health issues, too. I, on the other hand, you know, didn't have a parent long enough to really, you know, have them teach me about money so I can speak and I'm very honest about my life because I try to use my life as a as an inspiration on a daily basis whether it's macro or micro to really tell people it doesn't not matter where you come from what you can build is amazing but I mean I had I remember coming out of, I was I think I was like 18 years old I let a cell phone bill hit my credit the first time right. I ever got a credit dumb and I didn't even understand yeah. that Ryan, this thing's sitting on your credit for six months, 12 months, 18 months. I mean, every single month that thing sat on my credit. I had a 440 beacon score at 18 years old. Like I had to get one of those prepaid credit cards that you'd load like two to five hundred dollars on and just prove that I could actually use credit. And it takes years to to get back into it. I laugh now because my credit's amazing, but I know what it's like to make, you know, a really dumb decision but not because i was doing it purposely i just didn't know i didn't think about right. it that way to tie that into business ryan um if you are a small business owner and you don't have good credit going into it you can have an amazing business idea yeah. when you go to apply for your corporate bank account your corporate credit cards what you get our corporate line of business your personal credit score will impact that Absolutely. you can get a higher interest rate charged um, some banks won't even do business with you. RBC won't touch you 
and offer you an operating line of credit if you don't have a credit score that meets their metrics. Absolutely. And the greatest failure of our, edu- our education system in Canada is great, but I feel like it fails at teaching you about what's really important in life, which is yes. how to build financial literacy. They used to have accounting. They used to have typing in high schools. I remember, you know, back in 1996 when I graduated, they phased all that out under the client government. And, you know, that's hard. And parents don't want to expose their kids to all of that. I mean, my parents are like, hey, here's how much mom and dad make. Here's how much you little runs cost. You know, <laughs> there's, there's a reason why your clothes are from Valley Village or Byway or why your sneakers have holes. Because, hey, you know, do better when you grow up. That's kind of Shondo's given to us. Straight and, up. Straight up. And, and I think that we grew up social studies math yeah world war ii is important i get it the nazis were shitty people sorry i don't know if i can swear or not no 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 go ahead (laughs) go ahead man go ahead you know you know i get it you know e equals mc squared einstein was a brilliant guy great how does that impact my everyday life if if i go out there whether i get a job as an engineer or i get a job as a lawyer or whatever i want to do in life or whether i just want to you know go into the trades i want to build houses i want to you know get into welding Mm. You know, what the Nazis did or did not do does not impact that. However, learning how to build my credit and having my profile out to predators, that matters. Oh. You know, the, the worst part is that when you get to university, so I, I attended the University of Alberta, yeah. the predatory practices of MasterCard and Visa, how they go after students at that very, very mm. vulnerable age of 18. Hey, man, here's a credit card with $2,000. When you're 18, you're like, oh, $2,000, that's amazing. Mm. They don't tell you that, well, A, you're a student. You don't have a lot of time for a job. I mean, those of us that can pull off a 30-hour-a-week job and go to school, God bless you, but they don't tell you that, hey, you're basically, they're getting the hooks into you at an early age. When they when they give you that application as an 18-year-old, you know, you want to start hitting the bars, you want to start dating girls, you want to start doing all that stuff. And, you know, the reverse. If you're a female, you want to start shopping for nicer clothes, you want to go with your friends and wine on the weekend, I need money to do that. Oh, look. There's a $3,000, $4,000 credit card. Mm. Oh, by the way, if you don't pay it monthly, at the age of 18, you're already going downhill and your profile is set and you don't know how to get out of that. Mm. So it's it's a, it's a vicious cycle. And uh, you know, and, and if you want to take it one step further, once you get into professions such as engineering, accounting, dentistry, um, law, or medicine, Banks will throw a line of credits at you, like it's no business. If you're a dental or a medicine student right now at the University of Alberta, you can get a $250,000 line of credit, snap of a finger. Yeah. What they don't tell you is if if you have bad credit going into that line of credit or if you didn't take care of yourself, you know, you're still paying prime, which is around 2.65%. You're paying prime plus two, prime plus three. But don't worry about it. You don't have to make any payments while you're a student. But however... That's all accumulated as you go through your education. So yeah, great. I, I graduated as a dentist. I graduated as a doctor. I'm four hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt. Oh, by the way, so paying two percent interest on that, I'm paying four. Oh. So they've got their hooks into you from the beginning, and somehow I almost had this idea. Like, I mean, we should teach. You know, we should go into high schools, junior high schools, even, and start teaching financial literacy from a younger age because mm. the future business owners, the future. Uh, entrepreneurs, how are they ever going to realize their dream of business if the system is against them from the start? And that that is something, as you can tell, I'm getting a little excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's something I'm passionate about because if you, in this ca- in our economy, if you want to start a business, 
he should not have the odds stacked against you. You should have an equality of chance. Let me give right? you an example here, right? So Bell, the, the phone company, comes out every year, right? Bell Let's Talk for their mental health campaign, right? Did you know in, in, in Ontario, Bell has an exclusive deal with all the prisons for the phone calls? So it, it, it could roughly cost an inmate to call their lawyer 75 cents a minute. Well, if you're, in pri- if you're in prison, unless you're doing shady stuff and you got your little bank of cash, you know, under the mattress somewhere, no problem. You're probably not in the best financial situation if you're in prison. That's probably a given. Last year alone, just in Ontario, they made something like, I don't know, it's five to ten million dollars off the inmates just on the calls. Now, if we do a, a survey of those inmates in the Ontario prison system, I'm pretty sure a lot of them have mental health issues. Probably a given, right? And if you didn't go into prison with a mental health issue, the stuff that you're going to be exposed to in prison is going to definitely cause anxiety and probably a mental health issue when you come up and you're reformed, quote unquote. There's no reformed in prison, FYI. Yes, you can do good things. It is, right? So kind of fast forwarding into your point, financial literacy is huge for me. And this is where I do love the marketing because there's nothing that stops Amar Gill from going on TikTok, which is an average age of 11 till 15, 16 years old, and doing funny TikToks when it comes to you're in grade seven, eight, nine, right? And you see this guy come on and say, hey, did you know that? Hey, here's the principal. Here's the interest. And you got some funny little videos going on because now you're actually talking to them in their language. This is where a lot of people, you know, they don't understand the power of communication and context, right? Uh, Listening. Listening is the most powerful thing you can do. I think context and understanding is the second one. And then if you can deliver all of that through verbal, voice, written, whatever the heck you want to do, that's powerful. This is why I do the podcast because the podcast for me is every episode I do, I look at it like a a 60-minute masterclass for somebody who basically could, maybe they listen to the show and they're like, holy crap, Amar said this, I'm going through this right now. Maybe you could save that person a five-year headache just if they hear one little piece of information, right? And and this is where I'm, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I didn't, I, no, 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 no. Exactly Interject. How, how that, how that, how that ties in is. So, if, if you're a parent out there and you're listening to this, start talking to your kids early about financial literacy. Hundred percent. You know, there's enough videos out there, enough content out there. It doesn't have to be my bearded ass on a TikTok, which would be horrific. But maybe I'll maybe I'll give that a try. You know, my, you know, Professor Mars financial literacy class. Yo, but, man, do it. Yeah. But, but, but again, this all all these things I'm talking about, these building blocks of financial solvency, financial literacy, the knowledge and the predatory practices of our banking institutions feeds into the fact that when you're an entrepreneur, you're relying on the banks for credit. Yeah, uh, for for making you know paying your suppliers, all that stuff just kind of just builds on each other. Again, if you don't have a good piece of accounting software, and you're not on top of entering your invoices, entering your expenses, or hiring someone to do it. If you don't want to do it, you know, if you're just letting your wife or your your partner do it, that's fine. You still have to keep an eye on them. You can just give, just giving your bookkeeper all your invoices, all your expenses, is not enough. Hey, bookkeeper, what does this mean? If you have Sage or QuickBooks, let's just say, you know, the month of January just finished and you enter all of your January bank transactions. And with online banking, you'd have to wait until the second week of February to get your bank statement. You can enter it in real time. Daily basis. If you got yeah. Through, yeah. If you got yeah. through everything, you can actually hit a chart, uh, hit a button on Sage or on QuickBooks or even on your phone, the phone app, and it'll tell you, hey, 
you know, even your online banking has it. Money in, money out. Here's what you're spending it on. Here's what's lagging. Here, here's somebody who hasn't paid you. Oh, you sent that invoice on December 15th. We're now on day 50. It's not paid. Follow up. But until you get into that, you know, it's like little habits. Until you get into that little habit of staying on top of it, you you got the information gap there that just won't tell you what you're doing, you know? Mm. So invest in the software because the software will give you metrics and analytics. You know, Excel's great, but Excel doesn't show you the picture as to, okay, who's not paying you? Hey, here's a bill that you haven't paid for 60 days, mm. you know? Oh, look. Your, your working capital is, you know, not one-to-one. Your liabilities exceed your assets. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it, you're, you're, you know, this month, you're in the red. You know, what can you do? That'll, 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 any information you get from inputting your accounting information, it can lead to action on you, you know. Of course. You know, I've got to tighten up on, you know, my meals and entertainment expense. You know, I've got to tighten up. I've got to find a better supplier for XYZ widget. Because this guy's charging me a growth, this gross mar- this this product gives me a gross margin of ten percent. Why don't I get that up to fifteen by going to a cheaper supplier? Like all these things that you need to make decisions, whether you're small or big, they matter. And you know, a quick example: there is a large uh, oil and gas supplier in Edmonton that's been around for years. So one of the most successful ones, you'll see their trucks everywhere. I don't want to mention them by name, so oh, yeah, I don't want to see advertised. Yeah. Um, you know, they've had, let's just say they have seven different product lines that service their oil and gas clients, right? You know, they had the sexy product lines such as, you know, oil field rentals. Then they had some little smaller, you know, little, let's say widgets for lack of a better word, that, you know, are little small parts that go into the oil and gas industry, whether you're fixing a pipeline or a welder is putting a seal in a, on a power plant piece or whatever. They focus on the sexy stuff, the big yeah. volume mover stuff. And because they didn't do their accounting, let's say on a weekly, daily basis, and this is a multi-million dollar operation, they were focusing all their infer- all their energy on the low gross margin product. Basically, yeah, yeah it's it's making millions of dollars. Oh, but it's also costing million dollars. I'm I'm basically getting three yeah. percent on that. Yeah. When they when we kind of got in there, we started kind of analyzing the various product lines using up to date software because these guys are still stuck in the Stone Age when we got there. What we realized, like, hey, look, these small little pieces you manufacture, you got a gross margin of fifteen to twenty percent. Why are you not focusing any energy on that? Mm. Why are you Why are you not getting online and saying, hey, you know, people in Texas who are in oil and gas, people in you know North Dakota that are doing oil and gas, look, we can offer you something cheaper. You, you've ignored this product line for decades, and it's your highest gross margin generator. And that information mm. was a shock to the owner. Mm. Because he liked the sexy big numbers, the little small little things, like oh. he just didn't pump that. Yeah, he's so le- they're leaving about, money on the table. You're right. Exactly. So again, that's a large scale example. But if you want to just whittle it down, getting a snapshot of your of your company is important. You got to have that habit, and it's 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 terrible. It's boring. It's not sexy. You know, having a client dinner and client meeting, having you drinks and discussing your next strategy is awesome. Yeah, sitting alone in front of your computer and saying. What's going to cost me to pursue this venture? Where am I going to get the money from? Or, or, you know, who's not paid my invoices? I mean, that's the boring part of business. But again, boring equals success. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I hate to say it. Yeah, no, so, it's, so that's, it's true. It's just a stack on everything. And I, I'm going on a rant here, but uh, no. you guys can tell this is my life. This is what I trained to yeah. do. And it, it, it almost hurts me 
when, you know, for years, clients would walk into my office and they'd be like, I've got this great idea. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to expand. But the banks would just put a stop to all that creativity because yeah. they made fortunate decisions or even the current because they had bad habits, uh, you know, in terms of financial literacy growing up. Those carry forward into Delta. They're a great entrepreneur. They work hard, but they're not on top of their finances. They wait until the end of the year when I tell them, here's your balance sheet. Here's how much you owe in taxes. And it's stunned. What do you mean I owe $25,000 in taxes? I'm like, well, did you not notice that when you're making revenue coming in, 13 to 14% of that, you got to put aside for the government. Yeah. If you're not tracking your finances, yeah, sure. I got, you know, you know, I get paid, you know, monthly, you know, I get my retainers. I know when I get, you know, let's say a $4,000 payment for some consulting work, automatically 13% of that, put it's, not yours. it's not yours. It's not yours. It's not yours. Yeah. Trudeau, Trudeau needs uh, to pay for more yoga classes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm joking. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Trudeau and going to take a piece of that pie. And then when you pull that out of your business and use it personally, there's another 22 to 27% depending on how much you are. So when you boil it all down, unless you're tracking your finances and you're tracking what's in and out and how much you got to take off the top, you know, you're, you know, you come to me once a year and that's the only time you ever know what your profit losses are, what you owe in, owe in uh, taxes. Mm. You know, it's stunning. And we're talking million dollar businesses are successful medical professionals that are stunned. Oh yeah, they are. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you you got you got people that are rolling around in Lamborghinis and forgot that they actually have to pay for them, and that's yeah. the truth, right? And this is why you see such a crazy, you know, scarcity versus abundance in business, where somebody's riding high one month and then they're shutting down the next month, and it's those little decisions that make. I personally have never uh, started a company that was not cash flow positive. I think that's why I've always gravitated to service oriented businesses, right? I didn't need any inventory. I didn't need any bricks and mortar to start. So my expenses relatively were internet cost, phone, hopping on a plane, you know, small little things, right? Incrementals. And I did do, and, I, and I've done well with that. But it's it's interesting. If you were now in 2020 and you were going to open up a business, and I guess to retract a little bit more for everybody's listening, what Amar basically said, in my opinion, is this. He's a service provider too. I mean, when he was accounting, that's what you're doing. You're providing your client a service. Um, but if you listen to the way he understood his client's business, that to me is, is a separator between a great service provider and a bad service provider, right? Many accountants I've talked to, and they're literally just looking at it from numbers. Like they, they're very, uh, they don't like a lot of accountants don't have that entrepreneurial mentality. I can tell you're creative because you're looking at the numbers, but then you're actually relating those numbers directly to exactly what that business is doing. Accountants are. It's it's taking in it's taking the information and seeing what can I do with it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you know, we we have a mutual person who you recently did an event for. He's yep. Yep. a young creative entrepreneur, owns multiple businesses. He's he he doesn't like doing that himself. He doesn't have time. He's traveling to Saskatchewan. He's traveling to Calgary. He's traveling to Vancouver, all over the place, looking over multiple different businesses in different sectors. He retains me. He pays me you know, a, a healthy sum every month to keep on top of that, to analyze the numbers. And he says, I want to report on this date. Tell me where I am. Tell me what's yeah. lagging. And he's on top of it. He's like, just give me a quick phone call. Shoot me a text. Shoot me an email. Give me this metric of information. 
And because he's on top of it, now he's not the one doing it, but because he always, you know, we have with modern technology, I upload the info to our server and he can, he's got access to me day or night, right? And he, he knows where he at is and he can make decisions based on so that's allowed him in a very terrible economy in Alberta to still not only, not only maintain business, he's grown over the last three years. Yeah. And I can tell you right now, and I looked, I got the numbers, right? That is maybe 4% of the business in Alberta that have actually grown over the last three or four years. The rest have struggled. Yeah. And, you know, you can use this example. He's just somebody that I want the info now. I want to, it's my phone. I want to be able to look at my phone. Okay. Here's my bank balance. Here's my receivables. You know, here's what I got to do. Then he can make decisions in real time. Yeah. And that's it. You got to make decisions in real time. He doesn't wait. He doesn't wait till, like, I'll tell you right now, January ended yesterday. He knows I'm out here. On to bowl, you know, 5 a.m. this morning. All right, where am I at, brother? What am I doing? What, what, what happened in January? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give me the breakdown. And, and you know, he's in a different category. He's in a bit of a larger, um, you know, tax bracket where he can afford someone like me to give him that real-time information. But if you're a smaller business, nothing's stopping you from going into your bank balance and doing a quick map and saying, yeah. here's what I got to do. So I love, it, I, love, I love that you bring up. I love that you bring up that point because – when the market crashes is when you can that's when the winners win and the losers yep. really lose right uh, people do not become millionaires and billionaires when the market is great they become nope. those when the market crashes and people it's 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 the same mentality of buy low sell high stock market it's playing on the human insecurity but also human nature why somebody wants to go and buy facebook when they're at the top of their game i have no clue I'm looking. I'm looking for Facebook to buy their stock when they when when Mark Zuckerberg just said, "Hey, I've been spying on you, and we sold your data." Bingo! I, th- like as a share, I'm you know I know it doesn't sound great, but as an investor, if I'm wanting to get into Facebook, oh, you're damn right, I'm going at it because I know that stock is gonna you know boom 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 right. Maybe Jeff yeah. Bezos wants to get out of his nice little sexy you know uh, shorts that he's been flying around with Sanchez on, and you know now maybe you know his wife sold all the shares. <laughs> yeah so you know these are all good things no everything you're saying uh makes sense in 2020 what would you if you were to start a business today what do you think would be appealing just off of a random question like what kind of business would you say there's there's some opportunity for that um well like we talked about before um if i could figure out a way you know you're saying the whole master class i mean we don't have to go that high up into it but just Sure. A masterclass on life hacks. Yeah. Right. You know, like, hey, here's here's some life hacks you can do to make your life easier to save money. And I'll give you a prime example. Yesterday, that happened. My cousin and I, we were going to pick up a whole bunch of beer for our Super Bowl party, right? And a whole bunch of food and Crown Royal. And I mean, it, it, yeah, <laughs> Crown Royal, always Crown Royal. Although I'm, as I get older, I'm more of a Johnny Walker platinum. Oh, okay, so okay, I'm, no, I'm yeah, he's got, he's got more exquisite uh, taste. I'm sorry, I retract. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, but but you know. His, now, here's a prime example. We're like, well, we, we got this party. It's going to cost X amount of money, dollars to, you know, where can we save money? So he's got an app where we can pick up food at a 10% discount from XYZ. They've got a Super Bowl sale. Better yet, he's got a connection with uh, um, bottle distributors that bottle beer in BC. And basically, if you work an X amount of hours, you get beer free. 
right? So he's got a card that loads up every three months with $1,700 worth of beer, right? And basically our Super Bowl party is costing us nil, right? It's, it's life hacks, right? Life and hacks. I think, you know, if, if you could just say, you know, I want to start teaching, not a master class like Neil deGrasse Tyson, I just want to teach you, hey, this is life. There's levels to this. Here's what I do. Mm. Take that example and do it yourself. You know, that's, that's an easy business to start. Of course, the staples, you know, I still think accounting will always be, you know, going up, you know, all these accounts that are working for these big firms. And, and I'm not going to knock it. Working for a big firm has allowed me to, you know, immensely benefit in life. And now I'm away from it. I'm not going to be that guy that knocks the big firm life. Yeah. yeah. But while you're there and whatever big company you're working from, they're taking advantage of you. They pay you a low rate, but they charge you out at a high rate. To, to, to benefit the bottom line, you've got to take advantage of them back, right? Yes. You have to say, okay, what am I learning? So if I, like, for example, I made sure I talked to all the partners in my firm and I learned how to network and build my own business. Yeah. The key thing is learn what to do, learn what not to do. Yeah. Right? Because yep. a lot of people went stagnant, they lost their book, they didn't stay on top of things, they took their clients for granted. So what I, I learned all these things that I kind of, I'm not going to do just accounting. I'm going to get into the, you know, advisory side of it. Mm. And that's not stopping anybody from doing that. I'm not that smart. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? I'm a guy. <laughs> but but what, what, what I did learn is, hey, everything's a lesson in life. So, you know, something like that, life hacks, I would say if you want to get into, you know, you know some, any type of service industry, you know, something like the way you do, that is all big right now. That is a service-based economy. Canada's been a service-based economy for the last 25 years. Yeah. Where manufacturers not come back, despite what our good friends to the South say. Not yeah, gonna yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? You know, DJ, DJ Quick said if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. Hell right now, yeah. manufacturing doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, you know, I know a lady that started making quilts in her basement while when her kids went to school. I shit you not, she had young children, she retired from her day job, uh, and she was an engineer. You know, while kids were at school, she's like, yeah, I'll just make some quilts. And she just took a picture of it and put it on her. Back in the day, it was, uh, um, what came before Facebook? What was the big one? I can't remember you had, anymore. You had MySpace, you had ICQ. My, it was MySpace. MySpace, She started putting yeah. pictures on MySpace for quilts. She had her email there. Next thing you know, she's got people everywhere saying, these are beautiful. I want them as my, my stove cover. I want this as my pillow cover. Yeah, she turned that into a four thousand dollar year business. Yeah, she does something she was doing while her kids were at school. Yeah, you know, and the, those are kind of things like there's something that you do every day just for fun that can be a business. Yeah, and now you have all these. And now you have well, and now you have Etsy, you have Pinterest, you know, you have all these different platforms. No, you're right, man. I mean, you know, and and I and I've done a lot of TV and radio contributing. You know, before I had a podcast. And I always love journalism. Like I'm a very, I kind of learned a lot, you know, a little later, quote unquote, that I was like, man, I'm an extremely creative person, you know, and uh, focused on sports for a big part of my life. And then, you know, business and creativity. And I said, man, I'm just going to, who can just roll up? Like what year, what century can you live in where you're like, I'm just going to start my own show. And you can, and you can, we're talking within like two business days, you can be up and running and syndicate that out to, you know, all the internet, right? Like. There's this, it's unheard of the amount of opportunities. Um, you mentioned about fear base and, you know, in, in the introduction, I have a lot of fear, man. I do. I, I fear just like any other human being does. Um, people are like, man, Ryan, you know, you go after it. I'm like, but I do it in a way that's, it's like, how do I say it? It's, uh, 
it's a very calculated uh, risk. So I always know if I if I go down this road, what's the worst that's going to happen? The way my mind works is I I have to know what the worst could happen. If I'm okay with what the worst scenario is, I'm going at it. But the one thing I tell people is don't ever come back to me and say, I failed and I did not fail like hitting the wall 100 miles an hour. If you come back and tell me like you you didn't have your your foot on the pedal the whole way, I'm going to come back to you and say, you're ridiculous, man. How do you live with that? Because to me, if I fail and I plunder, I'm okay with that because I gave it my all. You know, and and anybody else like you know because you got people from the sidelines. But I'm like, don't don't talk to me, bro, until you're in the game. Don't talk to me from the yeah. sidelines. I'm in the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I'll be honest. And it's funny how why are people afraid to fail? And I know that's something as as people that are later on in life, it's easy for us to say that to somebody young. But of course, you know, when I would train young accounting students, I would teach classes to them, or I would you know get them ready for the for the world. They were all wanting to do well. Everybody wants to do well. What they don't realize is doing well involves you getting your ass kicked. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. And and in accounting, yeah. you get you get a chance. You get three chances to sort of do. You have like six modules you do, then you write this big exam. It's three days long, five hours a day, Jeez. and you've got three chances to write the exam. And what I see a lot of students is, you know, and this is an example that can be applied in your life. If they fail a module or they fail the exam the first time, they're crushed, and yeah. they don't want to get back up off that. Yeah. What I always tell them is, hey. You can go to the Chartered Accountants to or the CPA Institute, now it's called, and get a detailed breakdown of the exam and see where you went wrong. And I'll tell you right now, I kid you not, I did a study on this. Less than 3% of people that fail want to go back and revisit the debrief of the exam as to why they went wrong because it's uncomfortable. It's hard to look at the mirror. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? And, and, and yeah. I always talk in the beginning, the first things I would say is when a new accounting student fresh out of university would come in for two weeks of training at a firm, I'd be like, hey, you know what? We're here. I just want you to know failure is okay. Mm. Right? Um, what's not okay is, you know, take two hours, have a drink, you know, you know, reminisce on how you, you effed up or you went wrong. After that, time to start analyzing where you were wrong do them do the analytics do the work and do the work yeah because if it, it, you know same thing and you know in i've seen people now i've been kind of advising people who do interviews and they, they're not successful in an interview every employer will tell you why you didn't score well yeah nobody wants to go back and get that feedback they don't yeah because it hurts right? it does hurt you know if you're in sales if you're a salesman out there and i know you in the auto industry you probably come across a lot of guys that are just hitting the ground running and trying to trying to hustle yep. and, and get yep. those cars sold. Yeah. Sometimes you know, I know a salesman, they'll do all the work and they'll think it's going well and the customer still doesn't buy. Yeah. And you know what they never ever you know what's very rare, and I am sure you've talked to this like pick up the phone and say, Hey, I just want to know what was it that you know didn't lead you to us making a successful sale. And they don't do that. They don't want to examine the failure because it hurts. It's uncomfortable. It is. You don't want to know why, why my business failed or why you know getting getting let go from a job. Yeah. I, I you know and I know you interviewed a, a mutual acquaintance of ours, Sean, who does a lot of work with the uh, the yep. CPA Canada. And I remember he said a word that really resonated with me because he hasn't changed since university. He's <laughs> the same guy. Brilliant, smart, and just knows how to communicate. But he said. Go to your job every day trying to get fired. Yeah. Right? Be oh. a chief agent. <laughs> right? Oh, and yes. Same thing. If you do get fired, oh. two things happen. Okay? You you realize that, oh, oh, 
this culture is not for me. You know, unless you do something terrible, like you harass somebody or you're no, abusive. No, that, not no, that kind of firing. We don't want that kind of firing. No, 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 yeah, no, no. But try no. to disrupt things, right? I walked into my firm. My firm, like I said, it's a billion-dollar firm worldwide. They had a training program that was not working. And I said, I, as a brand-new CEO, said, you know what? We're going to change the way we do things. I was bold enough to say to the managing partner at the time, this is not working. Let me revamp it. Let me make this more relatable so that we don't have a high fail rate. Mm. And everybody's like, what are you, crazy? You're basically saying this big program's not working. I'm like, yeah, well, if they fire me, then they're not ready to hear it. You know, sure enough, they listened to me and they did it. And that's what I mean. You've got to examine what's not working or, you know, disrupt things to a point where you can say, okay, you know, I failed this exam. I failed this business. Why? Learn, make notes, feel bad. That uncomfortable anxiety, fear, feeling will actually drive you to do better. You know, you got, there you, you go. Got, Mass, you, got, you know, TikTok video number two, that that crappy feeling you have inside. Yeah. Live in it. <laughs> you, you, well, and, and it's not even it, it's true. You make a good point. But I like people have to go into the fear. You 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 you, you can't run from the fear. And, you know, uh, I watched an interview a while back. And, you know, the one guy said that monster that you're scared of is probably actually more scared of you. And people need to really think about that statement, right? Because, you know, even for me, I, historically, I've never sold. I've never had to sell. I, my sell has always been have a good online presence, push yeah. out great energy. You know, in all of my business, like I'm when I say all of it, man, I mean all of it has been inbound. That being said, people would say, well, that's great, man. It's awesome. What I realize is I think maybe I put a fear of selling in there. So I'm always analyzing myself. And this is what I think great people are always going to do you're always going to look no matter where you are on the totem pole or what level because there's levels to the game the only way you like i always say if you increase five percent in your game you're now in the bottom 80 people don't understand what i mean by that every time you level up you're not the star anymore like you know when somebody's you know all of a sudden junior (laughs) hockey or junior football you're sitting there running touchdowns or scoring goals whatever the hell you're doing and then you get to like the nfl they're like oh dude you you run a 4-1 Okay, so does that guy. So does that guy. So does her. So does her. Actually, I still do, and I'm the coach. You know, so there's levels to the game. So, you know, it's, it's, and I like what you're saying. I think you have to take an inventory of you. You know how you always audit? You know, you audit yeah. the numbers. Audit I think yourself. You, I think, I think you got to audit yourself always. You go, yeah. always have Sci- to. Scientology, Scientology may come after you, though. Like, hey, that's what we do. But that's okay. <laughs> you can still, you know, you can still take the good part, which is a self audit. From that and say hey you know something's not right where do i go from that and again i go back to the information gap again audit your business the numbers yeah. right yep. if it's not looking well the, the answer will come to you right if, yes. if i didn't hit my sales targets or my figures the info's there okay i didn't have enough touch points i didn't contact enough people right but the, my, my my sales funnel didn't work right you know, I, I didn't have enough of a big funnel up here. So when it got down to actually selling and closing business, I didn't have enough chances and opportunities. Those things all relate. Well, OK. And you're an accountant, so I can ask you this. And you've heard the term analysis paralysis, right? Right. So yeah. everybody's making their logo fancy and their website better and everything's good, but they haven't generated any revenue. We can all agree that if you have a business like revenue is the gasoline, like you cannot drive without revenue yep. your business will not last long how do you, in the organizations that you've worked with in the past um and i know you're you know as in a consultant maybe you're dealing with like a cfo or their accounting or whoever yeah. but 
you also have dealt with a lot of the owners of the business. How yeah. how important and incremental is sales with that business? That's everything. <laughs> uh, so, so do you want to know in terms of let's say are we talking like uh sales of a product or are you talking about sales in terms well, of service well, well okay. let me get a lot of a lot of uh people i come across in business one of the biggest things and you know i am starting to touch on it more with the podcast because i think it's an extremely important topic is they're fearful to sell they're fearful to get rejected they don't know where to begin. Like, even if you look at your own um, consumerism from a personal level, every time you were sold something, what was the difference between you getting sold and you felt good about the sale and then you kind of felt, kind of have some buyer's remorse here, you know? What was the differences there? Like, what do you, I, I guess I just want you to speak on it from the accounting perspective, business, but then also personally. It's, it's tough. It is. Um, put it this way. If you want to say just in terms of sales, you know, uh, maybe I, and correct me if I'm going off a wrong tangent here. Mm. There is a built-in failure rate on anything you do, right? Of course. And I, I learned this early on when I started going to bars, right? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, oh, hey, this relates True. to life. It's all connected. It's all it connected. Is. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not the pretty boy, uh, yeah. right? Um, and 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 I, being the account I am, if I would approach a girl at a bar, or I would talk to a woman. You know, I'd be like, oh. oh my rejection rate's 80 percent, right? You know, if I approach ten women, and and I'm, this is a very basic example, eight of the eight out of ten are gonna tell me go away, mm. right? Now that eight, those eight rejections have come all at once. You could have three rejections, one acceptance, and three more, and get that to ten. Your success rate is twenty percent, and that I, I'm not joking. That twenty percent number holds true for every ten leads you have, eight will go away. Two will accept you. You just gotta learn to get past the eight rejections, knowing that the numbers will always work out. It's cyclical. Mm. And I know it's a terrible step for you. <laughs> it's like, like, no, 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 no. Ten times. No, uh, no. And I'm sorry. I, 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 I got married. I never got a chance to use Tinder. <laughs> I probably, you know, I a chance to use that. You know, how many swipe? How many swipes until yeah. you get a match? <laughs> I I'll talk to some of my younger nephews. I'll guarantee you, out of every ten swipes, you know, you'll match two, right? And, and, and that, that that's it. It's twenty twenty percent now. You know, if you're some Brad Pitt looking guy or or some you know suave looking, you know, Idris Alba looking, you know, you know, big genetic hunk of a man, maybe it's thirty to forty percent. <laughs> maybe it's fifty, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I use Idris Alba. My wife's, uh, you know, she loves him more than she loves me. <laughs> most of them, but, yes, uh, he's a another, man. another I, win I, for I, the black. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's if so my true. Wife, if my wife left me for for that genetic specimen, I'd be like, you know what, I'm gone, man. I, I can't compete. <laughs> but, do, do you know? Do you know but, my but first? That, that, my first ever girlfriend was uh, was East Indian. And nobody ever knows to this day, and I'll never ever reveal it because there would have been like brothers and cousins and all kinds of stuff. But I think about it, and I'm like, yeah, you know, you're you're kind of right. The culture game is uh, interesting, but no, it's a good example that you gave because what that eighty percent rejection it, it like you. it incapacitates people though. Like yeah. you're talking like it, people will not approach business because of that. Like they will go work a job their whole life. You know, try to get a pension, assuming that company has enough money to pay out. Don't get me started on those things. But um, they put all their eggs in one safe basket, and some, that basket ain't safe, man. Like, it's not safe. Yeah. 
So your investment portfolio, let's say your investment portfolio, where let's say 20% is high risk equities, um, you know, 40% is sort of safe AAA rated bonds, right? Yeah. Uh, and the remaining is maybe real estate. You've got yeah. this mix up portfolio of sort of manager risk. You know, 20%, you're okay losing 20% of your portfolio. If, it's, if it hits big, great. If it doesn't, that's okay. When you're out there trying to market yourself, you're trying to go after sales, don't just go after one target audience, right? Mm. You've got to mix it up. Mm. You know, don't just approach the blondes in the bar. Yeah. You know, try a brunette, try an Asian. <laughs> yeah, sure. Nobody talks in bars anymore. But, but but if you think about it, so if you're if every 10 people you approach, you've got two, two hits, two sales. To make those two sales into, let's say, hundreds, think about how much more effort you have to put in. It, it all magnifies. Right. So just remember, be ready to be rejected 80% of the time, whether in life or in business. However, that 20% that does come through, they'll be worth it. And that 80% that rejects you, dig through that minutiae and find the pieces. Analysis of paralysis is good only if you learn. You don't just sit there and be like, oh, I guess I suck and just put it aside. No, analyze it and, and say, okay, when I approach the next 10 customers or next 10 leads, what can I do differently that didn't work with those eight, right? And apply that and try something different. If you try the same thing over and over again, it's the definition of insanity, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. if I keep going up to the girl with the line and be like, hey, you know, there's an angel <laughs> missing from heaven, that, that failed 50 times. You know, or you know, I keep coaching girls beards. <laughs> well, here, here's you know, what the thing work. is about sales, though. It's interesting because a lot of good salespeople say, don't convince. Gather, prospect, and sort. Sort. And what you're saying is sort. Hey, eight said no. Sort them through. Get to the yes. You have must have, must have came in contact with some, like, amazing salespeople over your career. Yeah. Uh, would you say that uncommon they... Thread. Uncommon thread. Uh, One common thread of every amazing salesperson I ever had is don't be afraid to ask for business. Ah, right? Yeah, you gotta ask. Don't be afraid up front. I'm not here. I'm not here to sell you. I'm here to get your business. Straight up. Yeah, straight and up. And then spend the rest rest of your sales call showing why that's a good idea. You know, yeah. they, they, they always have a thing in sales like, oh, you know, you know, start with something small and then ask for the big thing. No, nah. flip the success ones. Flip it. Ask for the big. And then come in with the small. Reverse engineer right? it. Yeah. Yeah. Start like I'm here for you. Don't be afraid to ask me for business. And you know, it, it may not work the first time. You know, yeah. I, I used to present to third or fourth year dental students at the U of A. I used to do a presentation on accounting, you know, a little PowerPoint before TikTok, I would say. <laughs> and I was I was so pumped. I mean, I I I I went to the bar on campus, free drinks, free food. You know, what do students want? They want to eat, they want to drink. Right? They don't want to yeah. listen. And you know, plus me, I'll get up there and I'll talk and I'll say funny things. And I was convinced, man, this is going to build it. We're going to have so many dental clients, it's going to just take off through the roof. Presented to 100 students, and I, I kid you not, two signed up. Yeah. And, and, and then there's another firm in town that got the rest. And I'm a bit of a competitive guy. I'm like, what? Yeah. I, you know, they didn't even, they didn't even rent a bar. You know what they were doing? They were going into the classrooms. They had a deal with the professor, and they were talking about in a classroom setting and making an educational experience, not a fun experience. And I realized your financial future, your you know, yeah, it's great. Wine and dine, get drinks, get appies, make sure you know the the wings are hot. Great. All you're doing is setting up a comfort level for them. 
but whereas the firm that went in and made an educational experience that actually taught instead of trying value. to wow and pizzazz, value. Said, and the first person the partner said me got from the class, I want every single one of you to be my client. And then Straight he starts up. the presentation. Straight I started the presentation. With, so I was in Vegas the other day and <laughs> have a drink. That's a rookie mistake. Yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, so, yeah. So, I, so I would say that the common thread is go big, ask for the business, and then educate us to why it is. Yeah. Don't start by, you know, just kind of, well, you know, I feel like we could really be good together and start with some stupid anecdote. No, don't waste people's time. Yeah. Right? Do the big ask up front. Like, same thing with us, right? Like, when when, when I was trying to hire you to come and do a talk for my firm, they're like, all right, here's what it is an hour, here's what it is. Up front, you told me right away, here's here's how much it is and here's what I do. Yeah. And then you told me why it's valuable. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And that was it. I, I'd already asked you to come out and talk to me. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, shit, okay, I'm in. And I, that's a valuable lesson. But you can sit there and say, like, well, I can, you know, tell you these unique strategies. No. Here's how much it is. Here's what I want to do. Up to you to meet me where I am. Oh man, that's that, good. That, notice that you didn't know I you remembered that, did you? Four years later. No, because <laughs> I, 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 I don't. If somebody was to ask me, Ryan, are you a good salesperson? I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I would say. I think there's. I mean, man, and people get surprised. I think there's not fear, but I, I. I and this sounds. I know this sounds so rookie, but. I, you know, I don't like bugging people. You know, I, I'm really that character that so doesn't want. It, it's bad. You know, but you got to the point. You don't want to bug people, but so that's why he said, "I don't want to waste your time." Wow, yeah, here's that's true. You, that's, here's that's what a it good costs, point. and here's how we'll get there. Right? Yeah. Instead of trying to wow me and tell yeah. me, "Oh, I got this," oh, I got X, and, and I made that mistake. I'm like, "Oh, I graduated this much GPA. I I have these kind of clients. I've done all this. No one cares. Why you know are you here? Why?" Are and you know what? Right? Uh, and, and and this is this is I'm going to clip part of this be, this particular portion of the podcast because I think that's a big thing. People go down and they put out their resume. And if I'm a prospect and I'm thinking about doing business with you, do I care about your credentials? Yes, to a degree. But if you start out with that, where's the value up front for me? You're the one like, yeah. what are you going to do for me? You're I'm giving you my time, right? Um, and it's funny because a lot of people say, yo, man, like, don't don't go in there with your little resume or here's what I've done. And here's, you know, I used to do like internationally award winning and all this. And I I looked at all my profile stuff. And I said, nobody really gives a shit about that, Ryan. They don't care about that. What what can you do about them? And then, yes, when it comes down to consideration. Well, why you, Ryan? Hey, happy you ass. Boom, 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 boom. Done. Cool. Take care, man. Bye. I don't like bugging people. And it's. It's interesting. My wife, my wife talks to me about it all the time. She's like, Ryan, man, I you can't think about it that way, you know? And I find myself now because I, I think the more curated or maybe even mature or way you like doing business, you find yourself actually wanting to do business with certain companies and you cannot let that company come to you. They probably never will. So you have to go out and say, I want to talk to Amar. I want to talk to this person. These are the people I actually want to do business with. And David Meltzer. Have you ever heard of David Meltzer? He's he's a Sports One marketing owner. He's Warren, Warren Moon is his partner. Do you know Lee Steinberg? Right. Yes. He the the movie right, Jerry right. the movie Jerry Maguire. Right. It was, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds, it was I mean, done after it was yeah. done after Dave, David was the CEO of Lee Steinberg. He was just a guest on the podcast. I said, David. Um, I said, uh, when when somebody's afraid to sell or fearful to sell. Is it coming from a place of humility, serving, or ego? 
He's like, oh, that's ego, Ryan. Oh, that's yeah. ego. That's all ego. He said, fear. You think that this and that. Everything's about you. And you don't want to. He's like, oh, that's all ego. He's like, humble people ask for help. But he's like, you know what's amazing yeah. about salespeople? Everybody thinks they're sharks. Humble people ask. And you just said that. Yeah. Just ask. You got to ask. Yeah, ask. Yeah. And, and the other thing I want to say is now, I don't want to devalue um, the competency of your financial advisor or your accountant, right? Sure. At the same time, when you are going to go in the market for an accountant, and you know what, anybody can feel free to ask me, I can tell you what's a, what, a good, what to look for in a good accountant or what to look for in a bad accountant. Mm. Um, make sure they're competent. Make sure they're keeping up to date. Make sure they do their professional development. They're up to date on the latest Canada Revenue Agency rules. I mean, that's a whole other show yes, as to yes. how the government can screw you. Yeah. But you got to make sure that if you if you are going to talk to an accountant, don't be afraid to ask them where did you go to school. Yeah, absolutely, right? absolutely. Um, you know, did you were you in honor? Were you on the honor roll? That stuff does matter because. The old adage, right? And I'm sure you know this as well. How you do one thing is how you do everything. If yeah. somebody just took it easy in school and was not was not excelling at it, well, that's a pattern for the rest of their life, right? And but but Amar, but Amar, I think I think we got to clarify that though, Amar, because I've seen people that you know kind of skim by per se. But then when they actually got into their profession, man, they're at the top of their game because they're right. consistently putting in work into their craft. You know what I mean? Right. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. What I meant was not like school, university. I'm talking about the work they put in, in their professional development. Oh, hell yeah. Do yeah they, absolutely. Do they, do, they, do, they, do they have their hours up to date for professional development? Do they yeah. know the latest laws coming out? Do they know the latest strategies? Are they just up to date in their profession? You can ask those questions. Hey, you know, what's the latest? You know, if you just simply ask your, your accountant, um, so what did the new federal budget entail in terms of tax credit or tax savings for businesses? If he doesn't know that answer within 30 seconds, he's not up to date. That's a simple task, yeah. right? Yeah. Or better yet, if he doesn't start with that, that, hey, here's this new tax rule, you know, small business rates changing, Jason Kenney's going to reduce the small business rate. You got to make sure he's informed, right? Yeah. So, so sorry, what I meant to say is not the 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 traditional schooling sense what i'm saying is if you're in a profession are they excited are they keeping up to date that's how you know that they're always thinking right because they know if they're up to date in their professional development they can serve their clients the best and word of mouth man you know Mm. you know there's some bad accountants out there though and there's and, and you know what it's with anything you know lawyers marketers business owners plumbers oh and i tell people like you gotta be your own advocate you got to be your own advocate. You got to keep your service provider. And anytime I go to a service provider, I look at it as a two-way interview. That person should be interviewing me and I should be interviewing them. Meaning I need to make sure that, hey, is this person going to get it done? Or here, if I'm looking at certain things, and sometimes things aren't just aren't a fit and that's okay. You know, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, this has been amazing. Amar, uh, let's wrap this up. But uh, can you tell everybody kind of where you're at right now? Because again, you're going to be coming on the show periodically throughout the year and then also uh about your show and kind of you know just give everybody like a little quick synopsis of who the heck you are where you're at right now and what your motivation is for your show yeah sure absolutely so um and i'll I'll make it really quick and short um uh so i i left the traditional big accounting firm life a few years back when i got married uh because you know working 80 hours a week and trying to have a family life just doesn't work Mm. Uh, and so I kind of semi-retired from that. 
Yeah. Um, what what kind of organically happened is a lot of my old clients, uh, you know, hit me on retainer and said, "Hey, we still want to work with you. You know, can we keep you around?" And, and that was beautiful. Like that showed that hey, I built somewhat of a brand, and you know, I kept working on it as a as a specialized advisor. And I, 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 I that service is open to everybody, right? I'll, I'm there for them. Um, so that's kind of what takes up my time. I mean, it's, it's not enough. I mean, I, I still want to like kind of focus on my health and get away from working every day and just kind of just you know focus on my marriage and make sure my wife and I were on solid footing. And I'm I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that. But then I started realizing that you know the old artist in me, the old wannabe writer from <laughs> my childhood, kind of came in and said, "Well, I just realized." And, and it's a simple question, and it was pointed out to you by a friend of mine. They're like, "Yeah, you know accounting, but you 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 know what? Do you you don't? What else do you know?" Mm. And I said, "Hmm. Well, there's a whole wide range of topics I have zero um, knowledge about. You know, there's people that live in different walks of life. Um, you know, mine's a very linear path in my career. There's people that have taken a very zigzag path, right? Of course, things they didn't always do the good things. They did some bad things to do good things, right? Yeah, they had yeah. to compromise. <laughs> there were some areas yeah. of gray, right? And yeah. if you you know, that kind of just caught me up the journey. Like instead of me watching a YouTube masterclass, what? Just to talk to these people and learn firsthand, and mm. it'll improve my conversational skills. I'll learn something, and at the same time, it, it just helps me create something. And I just do it just to create content for my friends, just to be entertained by. It. And I was fortunate enough to kind of, you know, and if you go to the show and listen to my first episode, I had a happenstance meeting with somebody in a very different walk of life, <laughs> and, and and that turned into this hour and a half fascinating, riveting story. Mm. Uh, you know, Thanks, and man. and that that kind of launched the dude. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to it yet. I listened to I listened to bits and pieces. Uh, powerful, of it. Fascinating, story, amazing, right? amazing. And you know, there's somebody built a very bad hand in life, right? Constantly screwed over, constantly taken advantage of, who took control and sort of, you know, used it to launch her own little entrepreneur service, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I thought, wow, like. This is somebody who had every excuse in the world to give up. And I don't want to give too much away. Sure. You can listen to it yourself. Yeah. yeah. But, but you know, abused, on drugs, uh, homeless, to successful entrepreneur. And a very kind of winding street. Didn't always do things the right way. Had to do some bad things to do good. But yeah, now it's sort that. of come out of it the other side. And so that's yeah. that's my collection of stories that I've kind of gone in. I've got about four or five episodes in. I'm not very, I'm new to this, right? Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, I just learned how to set up a microphone five months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way, I've got my right there looking at yours so this is the this is this is the yeah. sure sm7b this is the same type of microphone michael jackson recorded thriller on exact same one wow now, you're, yeah. now you got me but, yeah. but like i said so, so this is a journey for me to just bring stories to my my group of friends and and beyond i'm, I'm not doing this for any kind of financial gain at all because i don't need it i'm just doing this to learn mm. and to help other people learn that hey if this person made it through this kind of adversity, I can too. Or, oh, look, you know, my second episode was, you know, three of my friends sitting around talking about we were all bouncers back in the day mm. and the Edmonton bar scene. Well, well, you know, how was that experience? Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, my third episode, I interviewed one of the largest uh, adult film stars in the world with over 60 million views on Pornhub. Now everybody's like, what are you doing talking to a porn star? Well, I'm like, well, you know, when we look at adult, you know, porn is there. It's a multi-billion dollar business. Everybody, everybody sees it and uses it, right? Let's not judge. Let's not be pure. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Who's the person? Who's the person on your side? Like, I ask myself a question. Who's the person on your side of the screen? And yeah. an hour and 20 minutes of it's a fascinating conversation. I mean, we were, I mean, it's legal. We were smoking weed and talking. And it's, <laughs> You're doing, a, you're doing a Mike Tyson. You're doing a Mike Tyson themed hot box uh, podcast. Yeah, except I'm not as articulate as Mike Tyson, but she, you know, and and the audio quality in the third episode, I, I'm going to re re-upload it and sort of clean it up. But I mean, we can get into that more sort of in the future. But yeah. I'm just bringing stories that maybe they'll entertain, they'll inform, and they'll make you think. And it's my journey to just learn. That's all I'm doing. So I'm going to end up by saying this because I think it's very important for the listeners. Um, Everything that Amar, uh, Amar has been talking about in terms of his show, I'll have in the show notes. So you can, you know, I'll link right to his show and then you can check out the episode. Um, you're kind of bringing in a, a very professional accounting business, which is great. If you've listened to my podcast over the top, over the, over the, you know, 88, 89 episodes that we're, we're at and everybody listening to the show, this is a big uh, round of applause to you guys too, because you know, the average podcast fails after seven episodes. That, that's fact fact there's two there's seven (laughs) there's 780 some thousand podcasts around in the world and you know for us to do the show and kind of take it seriously only for about six to eight months and to get a top 100 spot in itunes under entrepreneurship in canada is absolutely massive and also winning the by blacks people's choice awards for best black hosted podcast in canada and this is six to eight months it's all because of the reviews and the listeners but one thing we get constantly is, Ryan, we're happy you don't have a lot of advertisers or you're constantly not, you know, reading off some script that some company paid you for. And I can honestly say we probably had at least about 150 different advertisers approach us to do the show. Prior to Amar, we had one. We do have one, which is Jordana Goldlist, and she's out of Toronto. Just love her vibe. And she's not just a sponsor partner, but she actually, you know, contributes her expertise to the show. And it's just always supportive. Amar, you're our second one, brother. And when I say that, oh. I don't uh, I don't take on advertisers, you know, unless I feel like it's not just going to be like a, you know, pay kind of thing. Um, you know, Amar is going to be bringing some really good stuff, both on, you know, uh, I guess a Pornhub type vibe <laughs> uh, <laughs> slash chartered accountant. I don't think you could you should say those two things in one sentence. But um, but well. I want to bring on people who are you know, very, you know, have done very well in their respective careers, but then also are just a person that's like, I'm a human being and uh, I'm not judgmental. And I really want to take, you know, from everybody else's story. And, and that's that humble vibe that we're coming in. So uh, Amar, I appreciate your support for the show again. Um, we're going to end it off. Just let everybody know on social how they can reach out to you in the meantime. Sure. Uh, my Instagram is agill2103. Uh, my Twitter is AG underscore twice. Um, Amar Gill, Amar Gill the second. That's kind of AG2. That's kind of how it goes. Um, and also, you can reach me on Gmail. Um, it'll be in your show notes, amargillca at gmail.com. Anybody have any questions? Uh, you know what? Cost you nothing to reach out to me. And if you just want to have advice on something business related or accounting related, I'll answer all my emails. I, I do it just as a service. I've gotten paid enough for my accounting advice. Uh, you know, if, if you just want to have little tips and tricks, you know, teach a master class, so to speak, I'm always available mm. for that. I appreciate that. Right. And everybody, if you have not uh, jumped over to our YouTube uh, page, this is something that I definitely got some advice from from somebody. And they said, Ryan, make sure you're building your podcast YouTube out. So we actually have uh, invested in YouTube. So it's YouTube.com forward slash Ryan Holtz. And we're now housing our interviews there. For everybody that doesn't understand why it's so important, it's YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world next to, to Google. 
And podcasting, as much as we love it and we love the audio format, you know, if we go and ask 20 people randomly on the street if they understand podcasting, it's still something that's kind of new-ish and kind of, you know, we want to make great content easy for you to consume. So check us out there. Write us a five-star review as always. And again, curiosity should always be your mandate. 